Hi, welcome to People Politics. In today's episode, we'll look at May's elections, the state of the parties, and the electoral systems used. Hello everyone, I'm Charlie and today I'm going to be discussing uh, the various elections that were held on the 6th of May 2021 and their potential impacts on the future of politics in the UK. Uh, so just to run down the list, uh, we had local council elections in England including 21 county councils and 124 unitary district and borough councils, 39 police and crime commissioners in England and Wales, 13 directly elected mayors in England, the Scottish Parliament, uh, the Welsh Parliament, the London Assembly and by the mayor, and also the parliamentary by-election in Hartlepool after the resignation of its sitting MP Mike Hill. So lots to talk about, but hopefully I'll be able to dial it down into a digestible format. So if we start with Hartlepool, which is uh, one of the elections that the media fixated the most on, uh, in Hartlepool, Conservative candidate Jill Mortimer won the by-election with almost 52% of the vote, defeating former MP for Stockton South Paul Williams, who was the Labour candidate, with a 16% swing. And as a result of that, she became the first Conservative MP and female MP in Hartlepool since the constituency was created in 1974, uh, as well as the second time since 1982 that the governing party at the time won a by-election. So it's a very rare thing for the governing party to win by-elections while they're governing. And in case you're not aware, parliamentary elections use the first-past-the-post voting system, which is where the candidate with the most votes wins the seat. Simple as that. It's just the most wins. It doesn't matter if they have 50% of the vote or more, although Jill Mortimer did have over 50% of the vote. And it creates a strong government because it's fantastic for creating strong majorities, uh, but it's not as proportional as other voting systems because it punishes smaller parties or parties that have less concentrated support in certain areas, uh, and it may not represent the majority of the voters if they have less than 50% of the total votes because less than half of the uh, constituents actually wanted that candidate to become their MP, but just because they had the most amount of votes, a simple majority, then they won the seat. In the Scottish Parliament, moving on to that, uh, the Scottish National Party won 64 of the 129 seats, which was an increase of one seat for them, but it was still one short of an ultimate majority. Uh, while the Conservatives retained second place with 31 seats, uh, the Independent Supporting Green Party had their best ever Scottish showing with eight seats, an increase of two from the last election. Uh, while Labour had their worst ever results in Holyrood, losing two seats for a total of 22. Uh, the Liberal Democrats also trailed behind with four seats, which was also their worst Scottish results to date. And unlike parliamentary elections, the Scottish Parliament election uses the additional member system, where each voter actually gets two votes. They have one for a candidate in their constituency, which follows the rules of first-past-the-post, like a parliamentary election, and another for just the party, no specific candidate for a wider region of multiple constituencies which is part of a closed party list where the voter doesn't choose which candidate gets the seat um the party themselves draft up a list of politicians that will get the seats uh if they win them uh so this closed party list aspect compensates for the unfairness of first past the post by giving top-up seats to parties that might have done well in the party list section but not as well in the first past the post section which makes it more proportional as a result uh moving on to the london assembly which obviously only citizens of 
London were able to vote for, which also uses the additional member system. Labour won 11 seats, and although they have the most seats, they still lost one seat, and they were too short of the 13 that would be needed for a majority, uh, while the Conservatives increased their seats by one, with nine total. And although the Conservatives and Labour won all the constituency seats from first-past-the-post, the Greens did particularly well with an increase in both votes of almost 4%, which allowed them to win three top-up seats, while the Lib Dems won two, and UKIP lost both of their seats. And that's something you'll be seeing a lot in this election, UKIP not faring particularly well. By proxy, the London mayoral election also took place alongside the London Assembly election. Uh, The London mayor typically has a four-year term, but as this election was delayed by a year due to the pandemic, uh, the winner would win a three-year term instead. Uh, The mayoral candidates were the incumbent Sadiq Khan from Labour, uh, Sean Bailey from the Conservatives, Greens co-leader Sean Berry and Louisa Porritt of the Lib Dems, Uh, 20 candidates appeared on the ballot more than any previous election, including actor Lawrence Fox, satirical candidate Count Binface, and conspiracy theorist and brother Jeremy Corbyn, Piers Corbyn. Sadiq Khan ultimately won the re-election, though, with a majority in both rounds of voting. Uh, Speaking of both rounds, uh, you might be wondering what those rounds are. It's because the London mayoral election uses a supplementary voting system uh, where voters actually have a first and a second preference for their vote. If a candidate wins more than 50% of their first preference votes, then they immediately win uh, because they've got an absolute majority. But if nobody wins more than 50%, which is what happened here, then the top two candidates move on to the second round with all the other candidates eliminated. And here, Sadiq Khan and Sean Bailey were the top two candidates. And then the second preference votes for the top two candidates from people that voted for other parties for their first preference get added onto their first preference votes. And then the winner of the top two will win the mayorship. Uh, This system therefore ensures that the winner is elected by the majority through those preferences, although the government do plan apparently to switch to first past the post for the next election in 2024. So we'll have to see how that ultimately pans out. Now moving on to another election that is not as well known or as advertised by the media, but is still, I think, at least important. Uh, Police and crime commissioners, which are elected for every police area in England and Wales except for Greater London and Greater Manchester, because the directly elected mayors of those places take charge of policing instead, Uh, and this uses the supplementary voting system. Essentially, police and crime commissioners are individuals who um, sort of tell the police what to do, I suppose. You know, they can help with budgeting for police. Uh, They might tell police to focus on a certain area of crime if it's particularly large in their area. But historically, those elections haven't had very high turnouts. Uh, Despite that, though, the Conservatives won 30 seats. So 30 police and crime commissioners are Conservative, an increase of 10 from the 2016 election. Uh, While Labour lost six seats for a total of eight, and the final seat was won by Plaid Cymru, who are a Welsh party. And obviously the seat was in Wales. And then uh, in the Welsh Parliament or the Senate, uh, Labour, led by their First Minister Mark Drakeford, won 30 seats, an increase of one. Uh, But the Conservatives are still catching up with five additional seats won for a total of 16 for them, which makes it their best election results in Wales thus far. Many of these gains came from UKIP losing all seven of their top-up seats uh, because the Welsh Parliament uses uh, the additional member system like Scotland and the London Assembly. Uh, Plaid Cymru, who are a Welsh National Party, uh, were in third place with 13 seats, 
While for the Liberal Democrats, only their party leader in Wales, Jane Dodds, won a seat. Uh, as 31 seats are needed for a majority, uh, and Labour doesn't have that, Drakeford is leading a minority government, which is different from what he did before, where he ran a coalition. And this was particularly important because it was the first Senate election where 16 and 17-year-olds could vote. So similar to the 2014 Scottish independence referendum, uh, they allowed people 16 and older to vote, although um, this is still a hotly contested issue as uh, obviously right now uh, 16 and 17 year olds are not allowed to vote in things like general elections. For local councils, which is what a lot of people will have been experienced in voting for and sort of the most important election because it affects, you know, the voters' direct surroundings in their community, uh, councillors are elected with first past the post. The Conservatives made massive gains with 294 additional councillors elected, as well as gaining control of 13 councils, including, interestingly, Basingstoke and Deanborough Council, which is where it's the constituency area that I'm recording this directly from, uh, while Labour lost 267 council seats, so almost the exact amount of gain and loss for Conservatives and Labour, and they lost control of eight councils. Uh, the Greens and the Lib Dems both did marginally well, while UKIP, again, lost all six of its council seats. So you can see there's a pattern that UKIP are not doing well. Um, partially that's because they were, in a sense, succeeded by the Brexit party, which is now sort of defunct because obviously Brexit has occurred. But also perhaps their sort of extreme views towards immigration are not as appreciated anymore in England. And then for most other directly elected mayors other than the mayor of London, which is sort of the one that's most focused on by the media... Um, most of them are elected again using a supplementary vote where there are two preferences and most of the mayors were Labour um, with only T's in the West Midlands electing Conservative mayors in fact in Liverpool and Bristol the Conservative candidates did not even get enough votes to reach the top two so it's clear that Labour is sort of dominating here even if they're not winning they're still making it into the top two candidates every time which is quite interesting seeing the uh, contrast in their success here and potentially for Wales as well compared to things like the Scottish elections or the local councils. So now I'm going to talk about the potential impact of these elections on UK politics as a whole and you will have seen that the Labour Party had a pretty catastrophic run here and it was a major blow for their leader Keir Starmer because it was his first set of elections since he was appointed in April 2020. And the reason for this, or the perceived reason for this, is that many voters said that they simply didn't vote for Labour because they didn't know what Keir Starmer stood for. He has faced calls to resign since, but um, he's dismissed all those notions and instead he's reshuffled his shadow cabinet, his sort of top team who... Uh, shadow and comment on and criticise the work of the actual cabinet, the Conservative cabinet, and he removed his deputy leader Angela Rayner from the post of party chair and national campaign coordinator for the party's poor performance in the elections. Uh, and this has been a very controversial move and it was called a despicable act of cowardice by Labour MP Kim Johnson with some even calling the disagreements between Starmer and Rayner as echoes of the rivalry between Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, who are, of course, Prime Minister and Chancellor. Uh, but the difficulty is that because the deputy leader of Labour is elected like the leader is, um, Starmer cannot actually remove Angela Rayner because she was elected to that position. You know, he didn't appoint her. Um, so they're still going to have to coexist with each other somehow. But it seems that there haven't been many major blow-ups since 
uh, she was removed from these positions. Uh, in addition, in this reshuffle, uh, Shadow Chancellor Annalisa Dodds was also removed as she was believed to be unable to effectively oppose the actual Chancellor Rishi Sunak, and she was replaced by Rachel Reeves in this position. There were also new post holders for the Labour Chief Whip, the Shadow Housing Secretary, and the Shadow Leader of the House of Commons. So quite a major change up, especially after something like an election. Um, and Starmer also created four new Shadow Secretary of State positions, which covered child poverty, the future of work, mental health and young people, and democracy. So major changes not only to who is filling the positions in the Shadow Cabinet, but the positions themselves, because he's contributing and adding to it. And you will have also noticed the Conservatives' major electoral success uh, in things like the local councils and, of course, the Hartlepool by-election. And even in places where they're not exactly coming out on top, uh, like in Wales or in Scotland, they're still making gains. So in the long run, they could see themselves uh, improving their performance and thus potentially taking over in those areas. And a lot of people said that this has reinforced confidence in Boris Johnson after several slip-ups in his support during the pandemic. And it proves that the public is on his side, in a sense, with this. And it really seems that the future seems to be bright for the Conservative Party if they carry on going along this way. Of course, that leaves the question as to whether they will carry on going this way, whether Keir Starmer will sort of change his approach uh, to hopefully be more personable to people and make his views more clearly known um, so they sort of know what they're voting for if they vote Labour. Um, of course, only time will tell with that. But it's certainly been interesting seeing these elections unfold uh, on the 6th of May, and thank you very much for listening and joining me. Thanks for checking in with Pupil Politics. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pupil Politics. See you soon.